Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of We're Gonna Need a Bigger Show. I am thrilled to be back at the Chattanooga Film Festival 2018, day two, uh, and I am speaking today with two guests who you may be familiar with. We've had them both on the show before, uh, but they are here uh, at the Chattanooga Film Festival for a few different reasons, um, but what we're gonna be talking about today is their film Mohawk, which I absolutely adored. Uh, I am here with Grady Hendricks. Grady, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. And Ted Gagan. Thank you very much for pronouncing my name properly. <laughs> I think the first time I interviewed you, I asked you before we, we went on air, uh, because that's just the most embarrassing thing. <laughs> I mean, my last name is Dubzalecki, so I, it, every time, every day, it's, it's a... It's it funny, a I always thought it was Gio Gihan. Gio Gihan, <laughs> yes. No, I've been saying it wrong all this Say, time. Like, like gay, gone. Right. So, yep. <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> Just now you have like a yep. reference visual. Perfect. Um, well, like I said, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed the film. Um, I think it's an incredible accomplishment. Um, and I, you know, I, I obviously want to get into, you know, the making of the film. But first off, I mean, I kind of want to talk about how the two of you met and how you started to work together. Ooh, I don't know. Was it, it Grinder? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I think this was back in like uh, Craigslist days. Yeah, yeah. M for M. Yeah, yeah. Um, Casual encounters. Yeah. Uh, you all, I always thought it was a misconnection. Um, but I don't know how we met. We met years ago at Mark Walkow's at a sleaze fest, right? Yeah, I think so. So a friend of ours, Mark Walkow, who used to work for Criterion, um, he had a little screening room at his house. And every couple of months, he will show a bunch of movies all day, like just whatever sleazy. Um, and a bunch of people go, and I started to go, and Ted was already there going. Um, it makes it sound like you're peeing in the corner. You were going, everyone was going. Um, and I think we, that's how we met. Like you were lying on the floor drinking beer, and we, were, about yeah, right. we were probably watching Dangerous Prey or something. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, and we've just known each other ever since. And then uh, shortly after we met at, at Mark's house, I um, became the publicist for the New York Asian Film Festival, right, right, which right. Gra okay. Grady at the time was, was a One of the large, large part of. So, and I think that was seeing each other outside of a, a darkened room. Um, with our clothes on. With our clothes on, yeah. <laughs> Radically, really, really we are, different. We are painting a real good picture of ourselves. I think today. it's a picture of two guys who really like each other and have a great friendship, and sometimes that gets physical. And yep. you know what? That's okay. Um, and then uh, you were doing your second movie for Dark Sky after We're Still Here. Um, and we started talking about doing Satanic Panic. Yeah. And um, got to a point where they made a trade announcement and everything about it. And then, but they never had a contract or signed anything. Or we, I thought it was a little precipitous, but there you go. And um, they suddenly had a thing in their schedule where they had, they wanted to do, uh, Dark Sky wanted to do a period movie set outdoors. And Ted sure. had pitched them Mohawk a while back and um, they were like, hey, you know that Mohawk thing? Let's do that. And so I guess then what was the genesis of that idea? Well, yeah, I never know that. Well, um, so Dark Sky, a after I had done We Are Still Here and it was it was really successful for them, they, they wanted to basically repeat the formula, which is a very smart business move. I, not being a very good businessman, was like, I do not want to repeat the formula. Right. Like, I'd love to do another Haunted House movie. I'll, I'll do We Are Still, Still, Still Here someday. <laughs> like, but I don't want to be the Haunted House guy. Right. Um, sure. I want to try to do other things. And I had several concepts that 
I was really interested in. Um, and one of them was this, this Mohawk film, um, which at the time was really just an idea that was bouncing around in my head. Um, but Dark Sky had said, you know, that they wanted to do something more along the lines of We Are Still Here. Um, Grady and I uh, came up with this concept for Satanic Panic, um, just kind of like a, a black comedy horror. Um, and it, Dark Sky was initially very interested in it. They, like I said, announced it in the trades. Yeah, like, sure. if you still Google me, a lot of Satanic Panic stuff mm -hmm. still comes up. Um, and then ultimately the project did not happen, um, which unfortunately does happen from time to time in this industry. And I'm still super proud of the, uh, the concept I came up with and the script that Grady wrote. Um, and we, you know, I was obviously disappointed that it wasn't happening and was like, okay, well, what, what am I going to work on in the meantime? You know, or maybe, maybe Satanic Panic will still happen, you know, like, and so I still had this idea for Mohawk and Dark Sky at that point kind of like leaned in and they were like, so we want to do something like on a budget outdoor, like, what do you have? And I was like, well, I've got this concept for something that completely fits that, like right. to a T, but it's just a concept. And they were like, okay, cool. Well, let's do it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, like, and, um, th they were like, yeah, we want to start shooting it in like three months. Oh, wow. And they're like, oh, like it's, it's like, it's not even a one pager. It's literally just like an idea in my head and you want to start shooting it soon, like really soon. And I was terrified at the concept of going back in front of the camera or behind the camera that quick. Sure. And I was like, I can't do this without friends around. And Grady and I had done so much brainstorming for Satanic Panic that I felt like we were very much on the same level. And I went to him, I think like we, I met, met you in a bar and I was just like, hey man, it's like, I don't know if this is up your alley, but like Dark Sky wants me to do this thing, and I've got this idea in my head, and it's the War of eighteen twelve. I love the War of eighteen twelve. Yeah, oh, and perfect. I was like, I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Perfect fit. And yeah. so, I mean, you know, by total happenstance, and the fact that yeah, there was no contract for Satanic Panic, nor had sure. we been paid for Satanic Panic, because at the time it was just it was not happening. Um, this was like, this movie's happening. So I was at least able to go to Grady and be like, they're going to make this movie, so we'll get paid for right. the script. So Grady's like, yay, we finally get to yeah. get paid for a script. So in, in that, I mean, you said that like you're really into that, that particular part of history. Yeah. I mean, so was there a ton of research involved, or were you able to just kind of jump right into the script and, and you know, get going? I did a little extra research, okay. but um, a lot of reading of original materials, like sure. letters and diaries and stuff. Um, but really, I knew a lot of this stuff already. I, I really do love the War of 1812. Sure. It is a stupid, stupid war that happened stupidly and ended stupidly, sure. and everything in between the stupid start and the stupid finish was totally stupid. Um, and so I really like it. Uh, so yeah, I went back and I brushed up a little bit to get like dialogue and like like word choice and stuff down. Sure. But no, and overall we just jumped right in. Yeah. So kind of to to go off of that a little bit, I mean obviously authenticity and cultural respect is is really important. Um, what was your approach to to those things? I mean, what was the, you know? I we knew that we were. Two white dudes of European sure. heritage writing a movie, You're giving it away, called <laughs> yeah, R writing a movie called Mohawk, right. like, and there's the you have to treat that with the weight it deserves, mm -hmm. and 
while it's very easy to look at the movie Mohawk as this like it's got action in it, it's got horror in it, and it's it's kind of an exploitation movie. At, at it's this, never exploitive of culture, though. Correct, and, I think that and that's that's, really that's exactly it. It never it never exploits the culture. Um, it it has fun from time to time, sure. but it never forgets that it's a movie about the near extinction of an indigenous people. Right. You know, and I had from day one told Grady, I was like the the three native roles in it of Oak Calvin and Oak's mother went to Hawi. I was like, they have to be played by native people. Like right. we're, we're seeing too often that like, it's like uh, that slow West movie that came out. What was it? Two years ago, yeah. where it was like all the native American were played by Maori and they shot it in New Zealand. And it's right. like, the movie's wonderful, but it's like, sure. it's like, come on guys. Like this is, it, it's not just about it being 2018 and social justice and all these things. Right. It's, it's about like doing the right thing. Like, yeah, sure. And this was the sort of thing where if you're making a movie called Mohawk, like, not only are they going to be actual Native Americans playing these roles, but if we can, they're going to be Mohawk. Sure. So, so in kind of uh, going from there, I mean, talking about casting a little bit, what, what was it like casting those roles? And then, of course, you know, the rest of the, the principal cast as yeah, well. The, um, we had, um, thankfully, Ganya Dio Horn, who plays Oak, had joined the project very, I won't say early on, but like, we were still working on like late drafts when sure. she had thankfully like yeah. she read it and responded strongly to it. So Ganya Dio is a Mohawk. Um, she's uh, born and raised on the res, and um, her family, the the Horn family, are are very well known in Mohawk culture. Her mother was a pivotal figure in the Oka crisis in 1990, um, and Ganya Dio was at the time very young, but still suffers from everything that occurred during that time. Sure. And so when we brought her on, brought her onto the project, one, we were super excited about the fact that we had landed this incredible actress for the lead role who also happened to be Mohawk. Um, she's best known for uh, Eli Roth's Netflix series, Hemlock Grove. Okay. Um, she's sure. one of the stars of that. Um, she's currently on Man in the High Castle. She's, she, she, she keeps very busy. But how I ended up meeting her was through my cinematographer, Kareem Hussein. Um, Kareem had directed a short film called Vision Stains mm -hmm. that was part of the anthology film The Theater Bazaar. Yeah. And Ganya Dio is the star of his segment okay. in that. Um, she plays a, a drug addict who kills people, slurps out their eye fluid, <laughs> and then injects it into her own eyes um, so that she can see everything they saw. It's essentially the She's stealing the life flashing before their eyes and injecting it into her own wow. eyes so she can see their whole lives. That's um, wild. It's a great, it's a great concept. Kareem directed the hell out of it, and Ganya Dio's amazing in it. Um, and I rewatched that and I was like, yeah, 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 that's that's Oak. Like sure. that's totally sure. the character. Um, and I, I was really excited about the fact that that we had this person. She read the script immediately got a hold of us and was like, look, I Googled you guys as soon as I saw your names on the front of it. And I was like, okay, so it's two white dudes wrote a script called Mohawk. And then she read it and she, she was like, it's actually very poignant. It's very respectful. And obviously a lot of research was done to make this the most respectful film it could be. She did, however, say like, you got this wrong. This is a little off. And we were very receptive to that. Sure, and that's so really important. Very late in the game, you know, it's like eighth draft or something. And really minor things. But it was like, we would never say that word. Right. And it was just like, oh, okay, that's, that's easy. 
And once we got to set, the, the real jaw dropper was Ganyadio speaks Ganyangeha, the Mohawk language. Mm-hmm. And she had brought up the idea of occasionally inserting Ganyangeha into the film, a language that, as far as we can tell, has never really been in a film. Wow. Um, That's it's, it's, it's a threatened language, you know, it's uh, only a few thousand people still speak it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it used to be the, you know, the common language of all, all the Mohawk people. Um, and so we'd be shooting a scene and we didn't want to subtitle anything. That was really anti the idea of them speaking in, in Ganyan Geha and then subtitling it in English. Right. But there are moments in the film where someone will just yell like, hey, come on, or like over here. And you don't need to know what they're saying to know what they're saying. Right. And so for her to be able to yell out these things in, in this native Mohawk language, it was so beautiful and it, it added this awesome authenticity to the film that I never in a million years expected sure. to have. We, we screened the film recently in Syracuse and we had a lot of Mohawk people come down from the reserve to watch the film. And a bunch of them came up to me afterward and they were like, I've never heard Ganyangeha in a film. It was so amazing, it was so beautiful. And it was wow. like, that's so fucking cool. You didn't like, tell me about that screening, how'd it go? It was amazing, it was really incredible. The, the, the best thing that has occurred throughout the entire process of this film occurred at that screening, which was, I got on stage, I gave the intro and I looked out and I saw a lot of native faces and I got very nervous, obviously, because I was like, I really hope you guys enjoy this film. I'd really love to have a long discussion with you about it. It ended and afterward, um, during the Q&A, a woman raised her hand and said, you know, I, I teach at the Aguasasne Reserve um, at the elementary school. And she's like, I'd love to be able to show this film. We, we can't show it because it's too violent for the kids. And she, sure. she's like, but I think it's such an accurate representation of how unjustly the Mohawk people were treated by the new Americans. And I was like, oh, that means a lot to me. And a, a few other questions were raised and a person mentioned how lovely it was to hear the language. And the last, uh, the last moment of the night, we ended the Q&A and people were coming up and talking and you know just chatting. And this really old native man came up to me. I wanna say he was probably like, he looked like he was in his 80s. And he came up to me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, everything that happened in your movie was real. And don't ever forget that when you're promoting this movie. And it was like, it was a very kind of like, whoa moment, because I was like, I was like, well, we wrote a work of fiction that's set in reality. And it meant a lot to me that this elderly native man was like, nope, everything in that movie is real. Right. You know, so, and I was just kind of like, it it was a lot of weight to hear that. But it also felt like a certain amount of vindication in the fact that from the get-go, Grady and I treated the everything with the utmost respect Absolutely. and throughout the entire process while we were making it we treated it with the utmost respect and the fact that the native people that it's about saw that that if i get called out for other things if i get called out for cultural appropriation if i get called out for pick a thing right i'm okay with that and sure. i'm willing to have those discussions because that screening really helped me realize that we made the best movie we possibly could Absolutely. have made. Yeah. So, Grady, what's it like hearing that? I mean, for you? Oh no, it's really nice. You know, my thing is with with diversity and filmmaking and stuff is it's a lot less um, for me political than it is for Ted. I think sure. for me, a lot of it's about. Um, I was a journalist for a long time, and you always wanted to cover something that other journalists weren't covering. You right. wanted a story that no one else had, and the fact is, you know. 
we've had a lot of white dudes telling their stories for a very long time. Sure. We've, we've had, you know, um, old white dudes, young white dudes, <laughs> Jewish white dudes, uh, sad white dudes, happy white dudes, <laughs> super angry, violent white dudes who hate women, super happy, awesome, violent white dudes who love women. We've had all this. And I feel like there are so many stories we don't hear, which are really freaking awesome. I mean, the story of the Mohawk and, you know, caught between the British and the Americans sure. um, in the War of 1812 is amazing. Right. I mean, it's basically Afghanistan happening in New England. You know, it is two, it's a proxy war being fought uh, through these tribes, you know, right. with, with the equivalent of AK-47s and Stinger missiles being traded to these, these tribes for their military support. Sure. That's an amazing story. Um, you know, the story, I've seen lots of Civil War stories about lines of blue and gray dudes shooting each other. I want to see a Civil War story about, you know, badass African-American slaves, like, fighting to get free, right. you know, and joining the Union side and kicking ass against the people who enslaved them. Sure. Um, I don't want to see those stories because they're diverse. I want to see those stories because they're awesome right. and no one else is telling them. Sure, absolutely. Or very few other people are telling them. Right. Um, Ted, you mentioned Kareem earlier. I One of the most, I think, um, interesting aspects of the film and just kind of every, every, every film I watched where he is director of photography or his own films, I feel like he just brings such a unique eye. The cinematography of Mohawk is almost like anachronistic to the time period it felt very like 70s 80s style with his with his zooms and and i mean it's just such a a kind of a bold and interesting choice i mean what was the dialogue like between the two of you and why did you decide on that style well the idea behind the cinematography feeling anachronistic um, was something that we laughed about on set because there was no cinematography sure, in 1814. Right, but right. that was something that we talked about because it's anachronistic based on what we think these films should look like. Sure. Um, we took a big page from um, the Showtime original series, The Nick, um, okay. the Steven Soderbergh series, um, which is set in 1902, and the entire show is shot handheld. Not even Steadicam, wow. but handheld. And the entire score is electronica. Um, and we were like, well, it worked for the Nick. Let's try something. <laughs> let's try something kind of outside the box for this sure. too. We're telling a story that, like Grady said, is a story that hasn't been told before. We're doing something really different. Let, why not do something really different? Right. Like let, let's really take this to like the next step. Well, and I and, think that that's why the film <clears throat> succeeds on so many levels. I we're, mean, yeah, we're not trying to be diet last of the Mohicans. Right. That's not the goal at all. Right. Like. And when people bring that up, I'm kind of like, they're like, well, it's like Last of the Mohicans. I'm like, it's nothing like Last of the Mohicans. Right. Like, it's, we obviously watched it, so we could be like, <laughs> sure. these, these are but the things. But you could not be further away. These are the things the that they chose to do with this lovely right. film. Right. But that's not our film. Sure. Um, and, like, I mean, one, one thing that I really love that, that Kareem chose to do in Mohawk is um, the opening of the film, the, uh, the nighttime scene. Um, Calvin and uh, Joshua and Oak in the forest alone, and then uh, Joshua ending up at the little stream by himself, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden the the Americans show up. That entire scenario is shot um, either on a tripod, um, on a dolly, so it's all these smooth, like steady, stoic shots. And at one point, one of the characters screams, 
he's traveling with engines and he pulls out a gun and fires the gun and the second that gun is fired the entire film is handheld Just, yeah like the the cinematography completely changes at that gunshot which is such a, a great choice <clears throat> and i mean it, it it's a it, you can see it, you know, I mean, you feel yeah. that, that shift, and it, yeah. it just changes. I mean, I think it helps with the tension, and I think it helps with everything, but that it, 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 that was really a beautiful, beautiful choice. Well, it tonally changes the film, sure. too. It goes from this, like, am I watching some sort of, like, Diet Last of the Mohicans? And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm absolutely not. Right. Like, that's not what this film is. And absolutely. it's, it, it, Kareem definitely takes takes a note from, like, 70s and 80s cinema um, and cinematography. You know. I was just going to say, it's funny you're talking about Last of the Movies. I love Michael Mann. He's one of my favorite directors, and I love historical movies about the U.S. I've never made it more than 30 minutes through that movie. I can't <laughs> do it. I, you know, and it's, what is it about it? You know, it's, what it is is I think that there's this weird representation of Native Americans on screen that's sure. very, I, I hate to say this, but it's a weird... It's a it's a monolingual point of view. Okay. Like the image of this these Native Americans who are stoic and they don't talk and they're very inscrutable and they have very few lines. Well, that might be sort of you know white people's experience of Native Americans in the 19th century, um, but. That was probably because they didn't share a language. Sure. For all we know, those Native Americans couldn't shut the fuck up. You know, they, <laughs> they might have been the biggest babblers ever, but when they're trying to speak another language or communicate with people who don't speak, they don't speak their language, they're going to use very few words. They're going to keep it simple. They're going right. to use gestures a lot more. And that's how they are in Last of the Mohicans. You know, there's, right. there's this inscrutableness to them, which I always feel like is so peering from the outside in, you know? And well, so that really this, turned me that, off, and I couldn't get past it. I was like, I'm watching a bunch of commemorative <laughs> coins. <laughs> from the Franklin Mint. I'm not watching actors. Well, and it's 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 the it's the stereotypical, it's arguably very racist. It's like the big chief woodenhead. Yeah, it's yeah. it's literally like the the big the big wooden Indian who's selling you cigars right. from Creepshow. Yeah, like but it's, a, it's it's that caricature that permeated cinema. I mean, well into the 90s. Well, and yeah. I think yeah. I think what Grady said is is interesting from the outside looking in because I don't ever feel like that with Mohawk. I feel like. And I think a lot of it has to do with that opening scene, but we're immediately, like, insulated with it. And we're, yeah. we're with those characters, and we feel part of it. They talk. They hang yeah. out. Right. They're, right. they're normal humans going That's, about their everyday lives. Right, yeah. which I this, think is a really important... like place. Right. Well, it's also interesting because, like, a lot of... I feel like a lot of the stuff we get visually in movies from, you know, to depict the past, it's this real slow, serious kind of filmmaking. There's establishing shots. There's sure. It's that Steven Spielberg sort of, like, very basic thing. And I think what people... What happens is filmmakers look at photographs from the period and art from the period right. and they see these very stiff people posed in these very mannered ways where everything's very laid out but that was represent that's how those people were representing themselves because they had to hold still for so long because of the low you know they didn't have film stock that right. captured them if they didn't sit there for 20 minutes and so you get this image of these people who are stiff and taciturn mm -hmm. these pioneers sure. with their you know blank faces because smiling for the camera wasn't a thing that seemed weird to people and so it's mistaking the the it's mistaking the outer appearance for what people's lives were like, and sure. and it always just drives me a little nuts. Like people were 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 humping and screwing and getting high and fighting and cursing. I mean, they were doing everything we do. Yeah. They just wore you know more, less comfortable clothing. Sure. <laughs> and again, I think that that really shows in your film, and and it's. I think I, I keep going back to it, but the fact that it's not exploitive of those things is just. I think yeah. it's really great. Well, and you know we. It, it, 
another concept we had, especially in the edit, was how do we portray this culture in a way that's that's authentic yet doesn't feel like cultural appropriation? Right. Um, in in like w one of the things that was obviously a, a huge note for us is, and I previously mentioned it, is the score that we chose that we chose to do an electronic score for the film. And a lot of people watch the movie and they don't realize for like 20 minutes that's a, that it's an electronic score. Because, because I think the important thing is that it's not what is so what is happening in film. I mean, as you both know right now, is that the electronic score is in vogue and people are really leaning into it. This is an electronic score, but it's so subtle and so yeah. like beautiful and just. Well, and we wanted something that felt lush. We didn't sure, want it. Yeah. I didn't want it to sound like Stranger Things. And right. The the composer for the film, uh, whose name is Wojciech Glaszlewski, uh, took me a long time to be able to say that. Um, he was also the composer for We Are Still Here. Right. Um, and his score on We Are Still Here is also electronic. And We Are Still Here is set in 1979. Well, I mean, not well before the advent of electronic music, but well before it was used in cinema, right. at least to that extent. Um, and it's it's a very subtle electronic score, similar to the to the score in Mohawk. Um, you know, we've we've got a lot of moments in Mohawk where when that electronic kicks in, you kind of go like, oh, holy shit, like this, this is an electronic score. But 90% of the score or more is just, it's setting the mood. It's, it's doing what a score should do, which is just putting, putting you in the moment. Sure. And um, the, the times when it actually like explodes into electronica are always the moments where initially I was like, uh, and then I talk to people and they're like, oh, I love that part when it gets really loud. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad it like, I'm glad it resonated with you. I was worried that it was going to be too electronic, you know, at times. I thought, but. I thought that because it moves subtly and you have these big moments of it, I just, it's one, I mean, it acts as a character and it's just, it is one of my favorite parts of the film. I cool. think, I well, think it's we, such a gorgeous score. You know, we, we had a long conversation about like, do we put drums in it? Do we put, do we put right. native music into it? Like, like in some capacity or do we tie it into the electronic music? And we tried it. And it just wasn't landing. Right. And to me, it did feel like one of those moments where I was like, this feels like cultural appropriation. Sure. Like, as soon as you start hearing, like, doom, 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 yeah. it was like, oh, this, as weird as it sounds, like, I realize, and I'm very forthright about the fact that this movie was not my story to tell, um, but I told it with the most respect I possibly could, and sure. I'm very proud of that. I, whenever we would try to integrate this mu the, the sounds of traditional native music into the score, I immediately felt like, I was like, this is not our music to use, in a sense. Like, and it was out, completely out of respect. It sure. was completely out of like, this is not landing, and I do feel like I am culturally appropriating this music, and I don't want sure. to. So. Although I will do want to make a shout out, because I will hate these guys forever, <laughs> that um, they didn't use Tanya Tagak. Uh, and so if anyone's making a movie, Jesus Christ, Tanya Tagak is a, is a Canadian singer, Inuit, and she is amazing. She's like the Diamanda Galas of like Inuit music, right. and it, her stuff is amazing. Um, but you're right, it didn't fit. You know, I, sure, I even looked sure. at stuff because I was trying to convince you guys to use yeah. her, and it wasn't right. It wasn't and right. I, I but I wish someone would was, use her. Sure. Yeah, I listened to her music, and I thought it was incredible. It's great, but, but you're right. I, I think we even like laid in a piece temp somewhere, and I was just like, it's beautiful, but it's not this movie. Right. But I would love to see someone making a contemporary action movie in downtown LA with one white cop and one black cop and like use her music. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Um, well, we're just about out of time, but I, what? you know, I know like, we went quick, um, but we are still here. Mohawk and satanic panic, which, you know, 
may or may not have? I mean, is it? Is it? Do you think it? It will happen at some point. I I certainly hope the film will happen. I'm very I'm very passionate about the concept that I came up with and the amazing script that Grady wrote. Sure. Whether or not I will be involved as a director is yet to be seen. Okay. Um, but I am very hopeful that Grady's script is turned into a project at some point because it's really fun. It's well, really fun. And also something you said to me early on was like, I don't have to direct this movie, but I really, really want to do craft <laughs> services for it. Yes, and yes. So I think that's, you know, I think there's 50-50 on that. Yep, as long as Grady's got his ants on a log, we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, well, went, I, got, I was allowed to go to Mohawk for one day just because who wants the writer? I have nothing to do there. Sure, you know? right. um, and I was so blown away that their craft services person was doing ants on a log. I couldn't shut the fuck up. Y'all were so glad to see me leave just so you didn't have to hear me talk about ants on a log we, anymore. We spent like four days in post trying to remove audio of Grady in the background of the movie going, I'm going to have another ants on a log. It's that scene where Oak gets her hands nailed to the thing and, and, and in the background you can hear me go, I can't believe you did ants on a log. That's incredible. <laughs> Maybe one more. Um, well, sure. But, but speak, I mean, Mohawk, we are still here and, you know, Satanic Panic, I mean, they're all, you know, period set and I think <clears throat> very effective because because of that, um, I mean, do you have interest in exploring more period horror? Um, well, regardless of my future association with Satanic Panic, mm-hmm. um, my next project um, that I'm hoping to get in front of the camera this year um, is, I, I'm being very cagey about what it's about. Sure. Um, but let's let's see if I can remember the phrases that I've been using. Um, so it, it is another period piece. Okay. Um, it it is also set in the past. Um, it is also set during another time of war, and um, it is very political. And it is a movie that I think is a very good cross between uh, my my political agenda, which is very upfront in Mohawk and my love of classic ghost stories, which is very upfront in We Are Still Here. Great. So I, I think it's definitely the middle ground between these two films, sure. although it definitely leans a lot more toward We Are Still Here in that it is, it's a classic ghost story. Great. And the other, the other cool thing I can say about it is it's, it's all in real time. It all takes place oh, wow. over about 85 to 90 minutes. That's great. So. Um, well, Mohawk is available now. Mohawk uh, is available now on VOD, and um, probably by the time this podcast airs, it will be available on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. That's incredible. Uh, Grady, you have a, a book out right now? A book out right now called Paperbacks from Hell. It just won the Stoker Award because awesome. Thank That's you. Incredible. I'm still, That's I sleep with it every night and wake up with uh, bruises. Um, <laughs> but, get out. Uh, but um, my next book is coming out in September. It's a novel called uh, We Sold Our Souls, and it's a heavy metal horror novel. Oh, it has no awful. political agenda. <laughs> it's just um, evil UPS men and um, new, the, why new metal is the Antichrist. That's incredible. Um, well, for people who want to follow you all online, where can they do that? I'm ever, everything you need about me is at GradyHendricks.com. It'll link you to all my various bullshit. Wonderful. And um, easiest way to find me is on Twitter, and it's uh, at Ted Gagan, at T-E-D-G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N. And if you forget how to look that up, just Google We Are Still Here, and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was was a ton of fun. Uh, And please continue to check out our Chattanooga Film Festival 2018 coverage. There's a lot of it coming. I'm here for forever. I've always been here. Uh, And we will catch you next time. Goodbye.